Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio. Right, we are continuing our Work Smart Speak Out campaign against bullying. Bullying in the workplace. We'll be doing this all this week. And we have some fantastic guests lined up. And last night we heard from Stephanie Regan, clinical psychotherapist, and Michelle Ocknan, employment law solicitor. And the reaction was huge, the amount of people that come on with their own stories as well. We just didn't have time to get through everybody. This all started, of course, with a survey that we did some weeks ago uh, where we wanted to find out, you know, how you were doing when you went back to work after COVID, if you were juggling life well, your work-life balance, et cetera, et cetera. What we didn't expect was to find the amount of people who said they were experiencing bullying in the workplace or harassment in the workplace. And that really impacted us here. So we wanted to do something about it. We don't like to think that people are feeling anxious or unsafe at work. And all this week, we'll be hearing your stories and speaking with experts about this extremely important topic. And I'm delighted tonight to introduce Mary Cullen, founder of Insight HR, and also Aoife Ryan, who's a relationship mentor. And they both join me this evening. Uh, good evening to you, ladies. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Hi, now. Hi, how are you now? You're all very welcome here. Now, I wanted to go first of all, if I can, just to Aoife, because last night, Aoife, I was talking to Stephanie about an individual case that I remembered of a guy who was a forklift driver. And he said the bullying had got so bad that he had tried to take his own life because he was in a very dark, deep place. But because he was a sole earner in the house during the, I suppose, the downturn in the economy where he couldn't get another job, he felt he had to keep that job and go in every day. And it was one individual was making his life really difficult. But not only was that individual and that relationship, that individual really bad, when he got home, he was so depressed that, if I remember rightly, he had turned to alcohol, um, he wasn't sleeping properly, he was anxious, he was taking it out on his family, something he regrets terribly to this day because he's now in a better place, in a new job, et cetera, et cetera. But I suppose in relation to relationships, which is just your kind of speciality in this department, I mean, it can affect your own personal relationship as well, can't it? Oh, absolutely. I don't see how it couldn't affect your personal relationships and kind of seep into um, all aspects of your life. Um, when you're going through something that significant in work and you spend so many hours in work every day, um, how could it not seep into your personal relationships then as well? Um, it's very, very challenging. And that, that poor man, he, he found a way of, of coping with it. It perhaps wasn't ideal, but it was what he needed to do at the time to, to, to manage. Um, and uh, I, I hear you say that, that he kind of really regretted it um, since, mm -hmm. but he did his best at the time. Um, yeah. And I'm sure his family... Uh, understand that as well. Oh, he said his wife was his rock and he said that she put up with an awful lot while he went through that very dark place. But yeah. getting back to that, I suppose, the bullying aspect of it as well, and that was a manager or a kind of foreman that was making his life miserable by mm -hmm. constantly picking on him all the time. That relationship between a boss and an employee is a difficult relationship. And I mentioned last night we were talking about the fact that, you know, my mother used to always say, give, him, give a man a yellow coat and he wants to be God. Uh, that was a kind of an old saying. And sometimes power, some people deal with power better than others, don't they? And that relationship between the employee can change drastically when one is given a, a senior position. So some people can be quite narcissistic about that and use that against you. But is it difficult to control that personality of being in charge? I think it's uh, oftentimes people find themselves in leadership or managerial roles without perhaps the training that they might need 
to be in that role. Um, I often talk about conscious leadership and conscious leadership is about leaders um, being in a position where they know themselves, they know their story, um, they speak their truth, they um, aren't afraid to um, put boundaries in and um, hold people accountable. And I think, um, you know, that, that that's kind of really reflective of somebody who um, is, is in a leadership position who will not let uh, the power or, or use the power um, in a way that that isn't going to be helpful. Yeah. And does age make a difference to that dynamic if one is quite older than the other? Or does gender make a difference to that dynamic, a man versus a woman or vice versa? Can they make differences in those relationships? Uh, it can make a difference. It doesn't necessarily mean that it will. Um, I think, you know, age or title um, is, is no measure of consciousness um, or maturity. Um, but I think really um, coming from a place, a, a reflective place, you know, you'll find that most um, good leaders and, and conscious leaders are people who reflect um, personally and professionally. They look at themselves, they reflect on what's going on for them. Um, they know themselves very, very well. They know their story. Um, they have great self-awareness, I suppose, is, is, is what I'm saying. Um, whereas people who are less self-aware um, and uh, kind of um, don't reassess themselves and their behaviour constantly are more likely to then project um, behaviours onto others. And, and Mary, just to come to you, you've got 20 years of experience in the hate, the Department of HR, so I suppose you're the first port of call when something gets reasonably serious or something goes wrong. Do many companies, or do, I know they're supposed to have a HR department, but how do we do, or how do we fare off, generally speaking, when we look across the country at particularly small businesses when it comes to HR? Do they all have HR departments, and should they all have a HR department? And what's the role of the HR department? Yeah, I, I mean, then a small business is going to struggle to afford a dedicated HR function. So lots of uh, smaller businesses outsource that to uh, consultants who look after elements of their compliance. But what they do day to day in terms of how they manage people is an entirely different story. So they might have in place a policy and procedure for something like bullying, but the behaviours that occur in the workplace are different things. When you look at a HR department, they're, I suppose, they're um, supporting the management, but also supporting the workforce as well. And their role is to ensure that there's a safe place of work um, and that the policies and procedures that need to be in place are there and that if there's a problem, that is proactively addressed. But that doesn't always happen, Niall, unfortunately. Are they, meant to be, are they meant to be impartial or because they're being paid for by the company, are they on the company's side? Uh, I wouldn't say so, but, uh, you know, I think there's different power dynamics in organisations that sometimes make it very difficult for an in-house HR person to be impartial. Um, most HR people that I know are genuinely interested in doing the right thing. Uh, mm -hmm. But that doesn't always transpire. So I can't speak for everyone out there. I, I, um, I spoke to somebody recently who had a hard time, was having a difficult time in work with a, a manager. And, and they went to the CEO of the company and said, well, he said, well, then you have to go and talk to HR. 
And he said, who's that? And the HR turned out to be the manager that he was having the problem with. So yeah. that could be quite a difficult situation. And, and when, when you have a problem, normally when you go to HR, I suppose the, the, the usual procedure is you're probably called for a meeting. Do you, is it advisable to bring a witness to that meeting? Are you allowed to record that meeting, for example, you know, during that, that period of time? Is, there a, is that a facility that you're allowed to use? Yeah, so the, the first step normally is that you, you speak to somebody about a concern and, and there's the idea of contact support people who aren't in HR, who are trained by the organisation and often they're the first people that somebody will go and speak to. But when you come to speak to HR, I mean, HR aren't, aren't your enemy. Um, if you wish to have a witness, then you talk to HR about having a witness present with you. Um, you can't record uh, covertly that meeting yourself because you're probably mm. going to get into trouble for doing that. So I wouldn't advise mm. that. <laughs> if you're going to record something, if you want to record something, you Ask need to say it. Yeah, seek permission. Yeah. Yeah, right, and so. HR will usually record any conversation they have with you anyway and, and take notes and send them mm-hmm. to you and keep it all official. Because a lot of people kind of get flustered when they're in a HR meeting or they're in an important meeting like that and then afterwards they go, oh, what was said, what was said, I can't even remember what was asked. So they kind of like to have some sort of notes or some sort of, I suppose, detailed you know, track of what actually went on at the time. Yeah. And w- when they're trying to resolve these issues, I mean, let's say, for example, it is bullying between two individuals. I mean, there only is one course of action generally in that, which is the other person is called into the room and told them to leave you, to leave you alone. But the relationship is already damaged, isn't it? Yeah. It's difficult, you know yeah. what I mean? I think, it, I think it is. You know, we do a lot of workplace investigations into bullying. Um, and I don't really think there's any winners when it gets that far. There, there are informal mechanisms. So usually HR are going to tell you in the first place to try and approach the person directly yourself, speak to the person and see if that will change things. But in my experience, most people are afraid to do that. And particularly mm-hmm. if there's a, a power difference. So if it's a manager who's bullying uh, their their subordinate, you know, it takes a lot for that person to be brave enough to speak up. And you really need to speak up culture for someone to have the confidence to do that. So that's often unlikely. But HR will be trying to resolve things informally through mediation or a facilitated meeting or some other informal way. But that's with by agreement with the employee. Um, if that doesn't work, then you're into a workplace investigation. And that's that's a that's a pretty difficult process for everyone involved um, and for what, all what parties. Are, what, what are the kind of the, the typical ones that you would see, Mary? I mean, what are the kind of typical problems in the workplace? Is it, um, I don't know, you know, is it to do with gender, for example? Is it sexual discrimination? Is it discrimination against pregnant women, which we spoke about last night, which uh, one of our legal team last night were telling us was extremely common when it comes to the Labour Court? Or is it generally just that power dynamic where somebody believes they have this kind of inferior or superiority complex over somebody else? It, it can be all of them. It can be all of them. I mean, I've seen some real horror stories throughout my days and particularly because we investigate, we, we see the worst of human behaviour. So if you imagine what you see out there in the playground, uh, you know, the behaviours are similar in the workplace. So I've seen mobbing in the workplace. I've seen... Um, individuals targeted because maybe they're pregnant or there's discrimination because somebody's um, different in some way. 
uh, or it can be simply that power dynamic too. So it really varies case by case, individual by individual. What I have seen, Niall, that always surprises me is that people who are accused of bullying and maybe later found to have bullied someone rarely see themselves as that. They rarely believe themselves to be bullies. And I was going to actually ask Jane about that, the type of person who is a bully, that's somebody with that kind of superiority complex. You know, Eva, is that the same person that would be dominant in a relationship as well, in a personal relationship? You know, somebody who would, I mentioned narcissistic behaviour earlier on, or somebody that would be maybe not so much violent in a relationship, but certainly quite controlling or coercive in a relationship. Is it the same type of person that probably in the workplace would carry that through and would be a similar type of person? Yeah, it, it can be. Um, again, I think, it, 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 it you know, each case is so individual. I guess there, there's kind of different types of bullying and there's the kind of overt, you know, aggressive, um, you know, kind of dominant type. And then there's the, the more covert and um, uh, less obvious, you know, isolating people, ignoring people, um, uh, kind of the subtle microaggressions that, that, that can happen. Mm. And, um, you know, sometimes people mightn't even realise that, that, that they're doing it. Um, uh, you, you know, so I, I think, uh, as Mary said, oftentimes, you know, the bully themselves has a story, um, has an experience, has a, has a life that they're bringing into it. And oftentimes the bully needs to be held as much as the person who's being bullied needs to be held and and um, given given space to, to really kind of see. We, we don't what's going tend on to have that them. same empathy for the bully, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. But no. everybody has a story, um, and I, I think um, you know if we can bear that in mind, um, it, it can be helpful. So. Are we saying that even when it comes to schoolyard bullying, for example, those individuals, that young guy or young girl, they have problematic backgrounds that maybe they're being bullied in the, at home by their own mother and father or, or and that's just their kind of way out or way of letting it all out. I mean, is that normally what happens? They, you know, they, they talk about that kind of situation where somebody is being abused in the home and hence goes out to be an abuser. Yeah, again, it doesn't always happen. But I think that one thing that I've learned um, uh, through my training and, 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 and my work is that all behaviour makes sense and that um, there's meaning and purpose in it. And if we can look beneath the behaviour, um, we can usually see what's really going on and kind of come to the, the core of the issue. Um, and you see that in the playground, um, definitely. Mm. Yeah, And in relationships between work colleagues, there was actually a clip I played last night. I'm going to just play it again. It's a little bit lighthearted, some people believe, but it's actually quite serious when you listen to it. Now, this is an actual situation that one of our texts to text in, but we got actors to play the role because obviously people don't want their, their voices identified. Have a quick listen to this. We played it last night. It's interesting. Congratulations, Lily. Who did you have to sleep with to get this promotion? <laughs> yeah, OK. I mean it. What's your secret? You aren't here a wet week. Yeah. Are you related to someone? Maybe I'm just good at my job. <laughs> you are funny. I suppose it doesn't hurt that Robert fancies the arse off you. Will you give him the ride now that you're working directly under him? OK, uh, <coughs> I have to go. Ah, don't be such a dry shite. You know we're messing. Yeah, come on. It's a laugh. 
Yeah, I know. It's, it's just not funny. I worked really hard to get this promotion. Oh, I'm sure you did many extra jobs for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to come to you, Mary, that's what you were talking about, the mobbing earlier on, isn't it? That, that's when you know, a group of people come together. And I'm going to go back to Aoife about that, those relationships or those dynamics between people. That, I, I don't know whether it's true, whether women can be more difficult with women and men can be more difficult with men, or is it normally women, men against women? I mean, from your experience, you know, that kind of ganging up on people, is that primarily the opposite sex or the same sex to do that? It can be mixed. Um, mm. And in my experience, it often is mixed because it's a group of friends or a group who have come together in some way in the workplace, formed a relationship and a bond and then uh, exclude or intimidate or are hostile towards another person or maybe other people. Um, and, you know, obviously in, in the context of bullying, it can be far more difficult when there's more than one person involved in targeting you. Um, and for those people, they, they really do suffer. Mm. Um, you know, I've seen uh, women losing their hair. They're so distressed. People yeah. not able to sleep, to eat, relationship problems like you described earlier, addiction mm -hmm. issues. Um, you know, it can be really, really challenging for people. But mobbing is probably one of the most disturbing things um, that I have seen out there. And it yeah, can happen I mean, anywhere in, the, in any environment, uh, irrespective of, you know, age, gender, um, position in a, in a company. It can be really jealousy toxic. has a lot to do with mobbing too, doesn't it? If you've I got so. say, you know, a good-looking girl in the office, uh, you know, and I remember years ago a psychologist telling me that um, I remember they were talking about my daughter at the time, and she had some learning difficulties. And this clinical psychologist actually turned around to me and said, "Oh, well, look, you know, unfortunately, she may always have these learning difficulties, but she's an attractive young girl, so she'll do well in life." And I thought that was a very odd thing for him to say. But I remember then looking up research in it, and there was research to say that more attract, attractive people do better in life. And I think there's when you see, you know, a good looking girl coming into the office, other girls or indeed guys can, you know, have a go because, you know, they, they, maybe there's an element of jealousy. Is, does jealousy play a role in bullying as well? I think it's really complex, Niall. Um, you know, I suppose from our, our perspective in HR, we're kind of looking at the behaviours um, and not going behind to understand the why. Uh, mm. We're looking at the facts. Did you do something? Did you isolate someone? Did you exclude someone? Did you gossip about someone? Did you make mean remarks to them? And what makes bullying is repeated inappropriate behaviour, not just a single incident. So when somebody claims that they're being bullied. It's about that repeated uh, approach from someone or and it could be a whole combination of things. Jealousy could play a part, but it doesn't. It's not always about jealousy. It's not always because someone's attractive or good at their job. It can be for any reason whatsoever. Someone has, you know, looked at you and decided you're too successful or you're not successful at all you're mm -hmm. too good looking or maybe you're not good looking at all. So, you know, the the logic behind it, I often don't understand myself. Well, let me just get to Eva on that, that relationship and that clip where obviously you've got a girl who is 
popular with the bosses. Or, you know, maybe she's just good at her job and she's just popular with the bosses because she's good at her job. And you've got this group of girls. That relationship, you know, between groups of people within the office, because everybody has their kind of, you know, their friend, that their go-to people that they go to. And, and then other people can feel excluded. And in this situation, obviously, that girl is being excluded and being picked on. I mean, that dynamic happens quite a lot, particularly in a smaller office, I imagine. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's, it's really challenging. As Mary said, it's very complex. But I think that the culture of the organisation um, comes in, whether it's a, a large organisation or a small organisation. You know, do people condone nasty behaviour? Do management, do the leaders in the organisation condone this kind of behaviour? Does behaviour, um, you know, in, inappropriate behaviour, um, is, is it just let go? Um, mm. And I think that that's where the, the kind of the, the, the leadership um, really comes into play because uh, and, and it's also where allyship comes in. You know, that if you see um, behaviour that is not appropriate, um, you know, do you stand by? Do you say nothing? Do you join in with the behaviour or do you speak up? Do you speak your truth around it and say, actually, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with the way this person. But most is people being don't, do they? Even they don't speak up because they don't want to get involved, or they feel, oh, I don't want to say anything to the boss about the way Mary's being treated by John and Paddy or something, because you know I'll be seen as the troublemaker if I get involved or yeah. if I say something to the boss. Yeah. So they, they maybe would it be best if you see that type of behaviour and if you see Mary being picked on by by you know Jane and whoever else. Do you go to Mary and say, listen, Mary, you shouldn't accept that from those people, blah, 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 blah. Or do you go to your boss and say, I don't like what I'm seeing here? Yeah. Or do you stand up and say, actually, this is making me really uncomfortable. So you're not talking about Mary. You're not talking about the boss, but you're saying, actually, I'm really uncomfortable with this. And I'm, mm. you know, I in the moment, I, I don't I, I don't like this. So you're, you're talking about yourself. And then, yeah, you can go and support Mary. Um, mm-hmm. And see what she might need, um, and you know if if it's possible because it's not always possible to go to the boss. Fear comes in a lot for people, I think, as well. You know, and again, depending on the culture of the organisation, um, what is it safe to do, and what is it not safe to do? I mean, what should that girl have done in that situation? Is there any kind of examples of sentences that we can use to object to that kind of behaviour between two people? in that relationship because I suppose it's like any relationship between a husband and a wife or girlfriend and boyfriend that when something is steps over the line you react in a certain way or say a certain thing I mean what should she have done in that relationship she walked away obviously I think actually I think what she responded pretty well yeah she 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 put in a boundary for herself there and she said actually you know this isn't okay for me I'm I'm removing Mm. myself from it she didn't engage with the drama um, she kind of said her piece and she left it with them. Uh, what could have possibly made it worse is if she engaged in the drama and they got into a back and a forth and, the com- you know, that, that can kind of then escalate. But mm. what she did was she just said, actually, no, you know, this is she, I, this is what I did. I'm good at my job. This is who I am. And now I'm taking myself away from it. And I think that that's probably a pretty good um, way of, of, of handling it. 
Um, just to go back to just Mary, um, uh, by the way, for, for the people who know, Mary Cullen is the founder of Inside HR and she's over 20 years experience skate through a wide range of sectors in the, in the area of employment. Uh, but, I mean, employment law would have to come into all this as well, Mary. And if you don't get your resolve from HR or you've exhausted HR, and a lot of people find themselves in a situation of constructive dismissal where they feel they have no option but to go, and that happened on two occasions last night with two of the callers we spoke to. They left the job. What recourse do they have then? I suppose it's to the Labour Court then, isn't it? Yeah, so they can, you know, make a complaint to the WRC um, for a constructive dismissal. But I would say that it's a very high bar to prove that you've been constructively dismissed. So the organisation will have had to entirely ignore you uh, and not offered ways of resolving your problem. So typically, if you have a complaint, you you maybe make it verbally uh, to a manager or speak to a contact support person. They will help you, I suppose, decide on a course of action that you're comfortable with. And then if all things fail, um, they're obliged by law to investigate the matter. Uh, and it's actually a health and safety issue. So the Code of Practice for the Prevention and Resolution of Bullying has been jointly written by the WRC and the Health and Safety Authority um, and is guidance there for employers on how they're obliged to actually handle these situations. So for somebody to leave the job without... Um, going through the procedures themselves, they're likely to lose that case in the WRC. Um, and, you know, to prove constructive dismissal, um, they would really have had to, had no interaction from the company. I'll give you an example. There was a girl on last night and she said the company's answer or solution to the problem she had with another individual was to isolate her. In other words, they put her on the third floor in an office on her own and weren't even giving her any work. It was just a case of having her there and not firing her because obviously she was seen, as she felt, as a troublemaker. So they, they just put her out on her own. So in other words, she was the one that was punished and not the bully. Um, in those kind of situations, is that enough to prove that it's being badly dealt with? It, it depends on the circumstances. But, I mean, if you're, if you're treating somebody badly and continuing to treat somebody badly by giving them no work, by, you know, sending them into Coventry, in a sense, um, then, you know, I think somebody could have a case. But it would really depend on what else. Usually, from a HR perspective, you're trying to engage with the employee to come up with solutions with them and to keep them safe. So, you know, from a HR point of view, I couldn't approve of someone being sent off into an office and given no work. Um, that isn't right. But the circumstances um, and the devil is always in the detail when you get to the WRC. Remember, in the WRC, you give evidence under oath. Um, you're... Uh, cross-examined potentially by solicitors or barristers on the other side or trade union reps. Um, and so it's not an easy route for an employee either. Um, so it's something that I would urge caution about resigning from your job and assuming that somebody, a third party forum, is going to necessarily agree with you. 
Um, by the way, it was interesting during the break, uh, myself and Jane were just talking there, Eva, about what you said. And, and some people have texted in with a lack of empathy for bullies. But I think you are right. If we don't have an understanding or a better understanding of why people do this or this type of behaviour, well, I suppose we'll never, ever get to the end of it, will we? Yeah, I mean, I can understand completely um, how people uh, would have a lack of empathy. Um, and especially if, if somebody has ex- been not, you know, experienced bullying, it, it, it's difficult to... Um, you know, feel compassion for for, for that person who's uh, perhaps uh, persecuting them. Um, So I do understand that. But I guess, um, you know, we're all human and humans are incredibly complex. um, And we we all bring um, our story with us, you know, and and our, our, our experiences with us. So... I, I think if we can find compassion for the bully, um, it, it can go a long way as well. But yeah. I understand it's not easy. I mean, can anyone become a bully in the right circumstances? I suppose, given the power, maybe. Or can, is it possible that anybody, your normal placid person, can suddenly become a bully? I, I think it. I think it is. You know, and because there's so many different types of bullying, it's not just the kind of aggressive, um, really. You know, there's the, um, yeah. There's the passive aggressive as well. There's the passive aggressive. There's the kind of just the nasty comments. Even in that that clip that that you played earlier, people just kind of jeering and you know. Um, uh, kind of laughing at somebody and then saying, you know, oh, come on, we're just having a laugh. That mm-hmm. can feel so incredibly um, uh, uncomfortable and and um, bad for an individual. Um, but those ladies, you know, maybe perhaps they, they just thought we're just having a laugh. So, um, yeah, I think potentially... Um, Unless we're really reflective and unless that we're, we're really kind of self-aware, um, we can slip into to behaviours that um, are perhaps less than um, kind at times. OK, let me just try if I, I think I have David back now. David, sorry, are you there? Hello, you know, how are things? How are you doing, David? Sorry about that, I do apologise. Uh, no, no problem. David, what's your story? Uh, I walked on the east side of Narsu Shopping Centre the east side, big major retail shop. Yeah, yeah. In Kirloch. And uh, the management were terrible, you know. Mm. And even to this day, as you see the demeanour of the staff and the lovely people, I know them all so well and the lovely, lovely people. I don't walk there anymore, thank God. Mm-hmm. You know? And when you, when you say terrible. management were terrible, what, just generally speaking, it just wasn't a nice place to work at the time? Oh, it was a, it was a horrible horrible thing, you know, horrible uh, the way they use it, uh, the way they speak to staff, you know, right the hard-working staff, you know. Yeah, and it is, you know, and, and I suppose that that comes down to, you know, in a lot of larger places where people work, staff can almost be disposable, so it doesn't really matter how you treat them because I just get somebody else to replace them. Mind you, it's probably not as easy nowadays to get people to be replaced uh, because of the staff shortage. But uh, did you see people leave because of that, David, including yourself? Well, I, I, I left in 2009. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I had a terrible nightmare when they kind of just explain something in a nutshell, eh? Yeah, don't ma- whatever you do, don't mention the name of the shop, she won't, or the name of any no, individuals or anything like that. Okay. Absolutely not, oh, not okay. at all. And cool. it's not in my demeanour. Mm. It was only a dream. I dreamed, that, uh, I dreamt that I shot someone in the arm, in the other arm, in the leg, in the leg. Manager, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
it didn't. It, because, because you despised him so much? Because of the way he was being treated. And what, what would, give me an example of what, for obviously to hate somebody that much that you want to kill them, obviously, obviously they treated you very badly, but give me an example of what, of what he done, did to you. There was actually a woman. A woman, but, okay. Yeah, but the manager, they were in cahoots, and then HR were in cahoots, you know what I mean? They all talked about, just say, David Smith, just say David Smith, blah, 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 he's in it. And it wasn't, it was so vulnerable and uh, so, uh, Mm. So passive, your colleague saying there on the phone there, you know, they thought you could pick on me, you know. Now, tell you the truth. Well, let Why, do you, th- do you think they could, They thought they could pick on you because you were a little bit less, you were kind of a little bit soft or you were vulnerable or you wouldn't speak it was, out? It was, yeah, it yeah. was soft. Yeah. It was called Space Baby. Well, I left there 2009, right? I got a redundancy package. I got 13 grand. It was gone within four months, mm. right? Paid off a few bills, right? Mentally happy, uh, but uh, you're not financially poor, which I was, you know. And did you get another job? Pardon? Did you get another job? I did. I got another job. I did the CE scheme there about okay. years ago. And are you happier now? Absolutely. Okay, so you can see the difference in a workplace where you're not being bullied and a workplace where you are being bullied. And I suppose, now, I just want to bring up something that you mentioned there to Mary. A lot of people are texting in, Mary, and I've, there's one or two texts there in relation to HR, saying that HR were useless because they were on the, the boss's side. Now, I suppose it's different for you because obviously you're a third-party company. So, you know, other companies will hire your company to do the HR, which seems like a more impartial situation. But when it's an, an in-house HR, you know, they can be more to the, on the company side, can't they? Or am I imagining that? If they, can, they can be compromised, I think by the position they're in Um, and it depends on how much influence they have themselves within a company. In my experience, most HR people are decent people, Um, you know, but I have also seen uh, over the years uh, bad behaviour from HR too. So it's really awful to hear that David would have that kind of experience in his workplace and that HR did nothing to help or support. I see HR's role as as being impartial everywhere they are and that their role is to uh, ensure that the company complies with the law. And if bullying is occurring, then then the company is not complying with the law. Generally speaking, do you think people have faith in HR departments? No. And I think that's, okay, that's sad the for the profession. That's a short answer to it. Yeah. Not such a simple question. But stay there. Let me just go to Ross as well. Ross, hi. How are you? Good evening, now. How are you going? Good, Ross. You're a little bit muffled there, Ross. I don't know if you're on a speakerphone, but go ahead. Uh, can you hear me there now? Yeah, I can hear you much better now. Go ahead. Okay. Afterward, yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, I know it's a similar situation. Going back a good few years now, um, uh, I finished school. I was only a young fella, but I started driving tractors straight after school. Now, it was great money at the time, but I needed more. So I, I worked in a nightclub, say, on the weekends, a bar and a nightclub for cash. But long story short, I, I, I started seeing this girl at the time. Now, I'm going back to 2003, 2004. I uh, started seeing this girl at the time. And what I didn't know, or I completely oblivious to it, was that one of the duty managers in the nightclub had a ridiculous 
psycho infatuation with my Did- girlfriend, which I didn't know. And my God, he made my life absolutely hell. And it was only when I said it to her, I said, he's giving me wicked jip, like a proper... And what, like what, he was giving you difficult tasks to do and making... Just not difficult tasks, just just fucking me out in front of people. Watch watch your language there, okay, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, just um, in front of people, always, uh, you know, putting me down and, you know, just... Humiliating it. It was a, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Now, like I said, I was there. I, I didn't. I wasn't desperately need the money, but it was handy work, and it was it was good money with tips and all. It was good money. A top up, say, all right, because I was renting at the time. Yeah, and it was cash. You were getting cash in your hands. That was handy. <laughs> but but when you were being humiliated in front of him like that, and was he older than you, by the way, this guy? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Um, he was. He was five or six years older than me. Um, but the thing is, he was he was friends with the manager. And that's how he got in there. Now, the manager, in fairness to him, was, was, was bang on. Uh, but we very rarely saw And how, how did that make you feel then when you were being humiliated all the time like that? That must have been difficult. Oh, I wanted to throttle him. But it was only, I couldn't make sense of it. It was only when I actually spoke to the girls that I was going out with at the time. That you realised that he had said, an eye for her. Yeah. No, but she said, yeah, she said, she said, he said, he stalked me for a couple of years when we were in school together. And I was like, what? She said, yeah, yeah, he stalked me. And she said, he was a, he was a loser in school. And one day he confessed his undying love for me. <laughs> and she said, that's why he's giving you hassle because he, he's jealous. Because he's jealous. Yeah, he's jealous. Yeah. I, I, and that's, that's an interesting one. Sorry, Ross, I'm, I know I'm going to everybody very quick, but Eva. You know, relationships in the workplace, it can be a huge problem. I always advise people never get involved in relationships in the workplace. I know that's not what Ross did. He was going out with this girl and a man just happened to have an eye for her who happens to be over Ross. But relationships in a workplace, for example, you know, a girl fancying the boss or the, you know, or a guy fancying the female boss or whatever it happens to be, that's a recipe for disaster generally within the workplace, relationships within a workplace, I imagine, is it? It can be very tricky, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think often um, there, there would be uh, HR policies in place, I think, to, to kind of, um, you know, that would, would, would uh, look at that. But, I, you know, I, I think it's it, it, there's a balance as well. You know, I met my husband in work. So, <laughs> um, you know, if, if, if that had been kind of outlawed, uh, you know, we would we wouldn't have uh, end, ended up together. So I think it's um, there, there's a there's a balance always uh, in, in things. But, yeah, if there's a power um, mm-hmm. di- differ, you know, difference, it, it, it can certainly be. Um, be, be very difficult, yeah. Yeah, because some companies, I, I, I know this, Mary, and maybe you'd be more familiar with this, you know, the rule handbooks. Some companies do ban relationships, from what I've heard. Now, I don't know how you can stop relationships in the workplace, but some companies, do the, is there companies that ban relationships within the workplace? I, I think it's really tricky, to be honest. I, I mean, how can you tell two adults that they can't be in a relationship? Generally, what a company will ask is maybe that you declare the relationship so that, okay, you know, the there isn't favouritism or yeah. anything like that. But mm. yeah, I mean, people, if they're attracted to each other, they like each other, they're going to find a way to see each other, whether it's in the workplace or outside the workplace. And some of the most bitter, bitter disputes that we ever see are 
relationships gone wrong in the workplace where mm. maybe somebody moves on and, and starts dating someone else in the workplace and, and you have an angry, bitter person left behind. Uh, those situations can get really, really messy. Yeah, because they have to work together. Yeah. <laughs> or one works for the other one. Maybe when I was a more senior position. But stay there a second. Let me go to Chris. Chris, hi. Chris, how are you? Chris, okay, we need to get Chris to lower down his radio. Let me just go to Ava. Ava, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall, how are you? Good, Ava. It says on my screen you were at a meeting today in work and you're really angry. Why are you really angry? Yeah, I'm really angry. Um, that's why I wanted a bit of advice off that lady there. It's our name Mary, is it? It is, the HR lady, yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering, does she have any advice for me? Because... Um, this woman is actually gaslighting me. I'm just a regular worker and she's the manager. And she makes it out like, oh, you're great, you're brilliant and whatever. When I bring it to her and I tell her kind of my issue, um, I don't go to HR or anything about it. I go directly to her. But now she put me in now today and kind of making me sign a bit of paperwork and stuff. And I didn't sign nothing because... Uh, and, what was she asking, of, and what was she asking you to sign? Did you know what it was? Um, no, I don't actually. And the bullet points in it was all kind of horror views and like horror views against me. But that wasn't what took place in the meeting. Oh, okay. You know, she's kind of putting horror. And, and what was she? Is she giving you a hard time in work, Ava? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's, she's basically, and then she turned it around and be like, "Oh no, I didn't say that." Mm. You know, she's dangerous. Like, I don't know what I'm dealing with here, Niall, now, to be honest with you. Okay, so, so when, you, when you say you had a meeting with her, what, did she call the meeting with you or did HR call the yeah, meeting? and it was for the moment. No, she kind of caught me off guard and uh, okay. she was pulling me in. And uh, like that, I should have been notified or I should have had some sort of party or something, you know? Okay, well, 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 hang on. I'm short of time, but you've raised two really good issues there, Ava. And I'm going to put both of them to Mary. First of all, Mary... Can a boss demand you go in for a meeting in the office, you know, if there's been an ongoing issue or an issue? I mean, do they have to give you prior warning? Can you bring a third party with you? Uh, in other words, short notice meeting here, quick, come into my office right now, Ava. Is that acceptable? It, it depends on the circumstances. And again, I'm sorry to hear that, Ava. It sounds like a horrible thing to happen. Um but yes, your manager can call you into a meeting and talk to you informally about anything that they wish to speak to you about. However, if you're concerned that you're being bullied by your manager, then you can choose to raise the issue with her. But if she's not responding to you, if she's not changing her behaviour or doing something different, then you can take it up to the next level, whoever that next level is so that could be the HR department it could be for to a more senior manager and again it's about you being very clear what is actually happening I would encourage you to start taking notes around um, incidents the dates times. the times the places the people who were there um, and then it's about going and speaking to somebody but I would always encourage you to try and solve it rather than, um, you know, get into formal procedures because the formal procedure is difficult too. Um, the other but, thing there she mentioned as well, our manager asking her to sign something. Would you always advise people never sign anything until you have somebody look at it first? I think it should be, you should have the opportunity to take it home and review it. 
And if you disagree with the record that was taken, then I would respond in writing and correct that record with your version of events or what you believe to have happened. Uh, You don't have to sign something that you don't agree with. You can actually send in a letter or an email to say you don't agree with these notes. It isn't how you believe the meeting took place and this is what you believe was said. Does that yeah, help? I totally agree with you. Yeah, I totally agree with um, Mary. But um, here's the thing. This meeting shouldn't have even uh, took place. Uh, this is, I, well, I don't want this at all. You know, I just like a normal uh, work environment. I don't want no hostile behaviour, none of that. I just go in and do my work and that's it. Mm. I don't want a horrible atmosphere and work. I don't like it at all. It just makes it very unpleasant for everyone involved now. And... Um, I just have to say that there's no need for it at all to escalate because we left it at that a few weeks ago and it was grand. But it was like um, I came to her with my rights and I kind of know like a bit about uh, the workplace and stuff, mm. about what they can and can't do. And I think that's after a niner now that she's after uh, bringing me in now on her terms without notifying me to try and get me to say something off her to catch me out on something. And she has nothing on me, so she's just trying to make me life hell. Okay, well, I, I think taking Mary's advice, you know, if you don't agree with whatever she asks you to sign, uh, Mary has given very good advice there. Always put everything in writing, because at least then you have a record. If it's to send, you know, an email to either the boss or indeed the person above that person to say, listen, I was called in for a meeting. I don't agree with the terms and conditions or what was written about me or I was asked to sign. And this is my version of what happened, you know, when we met two or three weeks ago. And I'm not signing anything on the on those grounds. And then just see what comes back to you. Ava, thank you very much indeed. Let me go to Chris very quickly before we get go to the news. Chris, hi, how are you? How are you now? Three times you called me and I answered you. And you no, it was just that you had your radio on in the background, Chris, and we, we could hear the radio in the background. Yeah. Okay. What what I would you like what would you like what would you like to say, Chris? No, no I, I I maybe just as um you know me by now. I'm 62, but maybe I'm old-fashioned here, but I remember when I was in tech. I won't say what tech it was. It was in Dublin. And there was a chap in my class who was picked on by everyone else except myself now. Well, not everyone. But, for instance, when he came in one day, uh, I don't know whether you remember, um, young lads wearing short trousers. I do. And this fella pulled down his trousers in the corridor. And we were in the Christian Brothers, and I remember standing up for him. I said to the other guys, I said, leave him alone, you're always picking on him. And, of course, when I defended him, the Christian Brothers picked it out of me. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, absolutely, and I know we discussed a lot of that when we were talking about bullying in school, and yeah, that, that, that was I something mean, that happened particularly a long time ago. So, yeah. when, when, so when the fellow's trousers were pulled down, I defended, I went towards the other fellow, which I'm not a fighter, I said, leave him alone. The Christian brother came along and he says, Christy, stay back. Mm. And I you, don't got to do with it. And, and you ended up being picked on. I end up, and I said to him, listen, it was so-and-so that did it. I yeah. know, come on now, you were saying. I, I, I understand how tough that can be. And I'm sorry again for cutting everybody short tonight because I just don't have a huge amount of time. But that, I want to just go very quickly, if I can, to Eva in relation to that. That idea in that relationship situation where you do stand up, and you mentioned earlier on, that you should stand up always in those situations and say, I'm not comfortable with this or I'm not happy with this. 
there is that problem then that you then get looked at as somebody who's a bit of a troublemaker or that you then become the victim of, you know, in that dynamic earlier on with the mean girls, that you then become their victim because you defended somebody that they wanted to pick on. Yeah. I mean, that that is always a possibility. And I think it's it's a difficult one. I think what's really important is you trust um, how it feels for you. It, does it feel safe for me to be an ally in this in this circumstance? Does it feel safe for me to stand up or, or am I not able to do that and trust that? Because you'll, you'll always know yourself what is going to be OK for you if I'm OK and I can do this or if I can't. And I think um, you, you can only trust mm-hmm. yourself in those situations. And you also said, you know, you were talking about, you know, mentioned that good leaders are reflective. How do you become reflective? Mm. <laughs> um, I, I think it starts with um, kind of looking at um, your how you speak to people, your behaviour, what you're doing. Um, it's probably best to do it in the company of another initially, um, a, a professional um, who, who can guide you and, and accompany you as you reflect on your life, why you do the things that you do and why you mm-hmm. behave in the way that you behave. Okay. Well, look, it's been very, very interesting talking to both of you, Aoife, uh, Ryan and Mary Cullen. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this evening. And hopefully some of the advice that both of you have given out in relation to relationships and obviously HR um, will help uh, people like Ava, who were on earlier on as well, um, and many other people who are listening. Who And we find with these kind of topics, people are afraid sometimes to come on yeah. because they don't want their voice to be recognised, even though we do change people's names, etc., etc., but they don't want to be recognised. Or maybe they're a bit embarrassed. People can be very embarrassed by being the victims of a bully because sometimes, you know, they can feel a bit soft, you know, if they're, if they're the victim of a bully and they feel a little bit embarrassed. It, by the way, just finally, Eva, is that, I don't ask you that because obviously that's about relationship, the relationship aspect of it. Is it embarrassing to be the victim of a bully for people? Is that why they tend not to com- want to come forward too much? Yeah, it can be. You know, uh, it, it can be like, wh- why me? Wh- what, it, what is it about me? You can internalise it. What is it about me that, that they're picking on or th- that they think that they can pick on me? You know, so mm-hmm. I think it's... Um, Am I soft? Yeah. yeah Am I is, too soft? Is yeah. there something wrong with me? Um, you yeah. know, that people think that they can get away with it. Um, yeah. But I think it's really important for people to know their values you you know mm-hmm. is this worthy of me is this okay for me you know and mm-hmm. if it's not you know find a way to take some action um, and it might be overt action or it might be just for yourself um, you know for mm-hmm. you to know um, but I think coming from that place of what's okay for me what's worthy of me the best advice I've ever got is from my wife and she says to me and I, and I believe it kind of carries through to these kind of topics as well which is always value yourself Yeah, is the most important person. Yeah, and know your value. Absolutely. Mary, listen, thank you very much indeed and Eva, thank you for joining us. Don't forget, we will do more of this again tomorrow night. We will talk to more panellists again tomorrow night in relation to this and if you do have any stories or you want to talk to us or you're looking for advice, all you've got to do is WhatsApp 087-188-0008 or you can email us at nileboylan at classichits.ie. Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio.